1: Come on in. Welcome. Glad to have you back. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you overwhelmed? I'm feeling those things too. And I'm here for you. If you need to chat, you can talk to me on email or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on those platforms. You can set up a Zoom call if you want to chat face-to-face. No, I'm not charging for that. So (laughs) just uh, if you need somebody to talk to, it's really crazy out there. And for those that are new to the podcast, my specialty is helping Christians to heal from domestic violence and trauma. Whatever trauma you've gone through, whatever abuse you've been through, and there are a lot of them out there. A lot of different kinds of abuse. And on my podcast and in my ministry, we explore and discover different ways of healing, different tools, different perspectives. So I have lots of interviews, And I have solo episodes on my personal story, which we're halfway through. So there's lots to be discovered. There's lots to be explored on podcast episodes. You can go back to listen to some really great guests, some good topics. If there's a topic you want me to talk about and you haven't heard me talk about it, let me know. I'm making plans for this year's shows. You've got a guest that you want on the show. Also, let me know that. So some exciting things going on. I've told you last week that I'm working on some music, some new original material, and collaborating with some people, which is really fun. And I am planning on doing a Zoom meet and greet Probably the first week of June. So be sure to sign up for an email for that. So go on dswministries.org. At the bottom of any page, there's a sign up to be on my mailing list. And if you're not on the mailing list, it's going to be kind of hard to get you the link because... Social media is a little harder to see it in your feed. If I have your email, I just shoot everybody an email, the the link to the Zoom meet and greet. Just going to hang out and chat and get to know you guys. And I have a milestone birthday coming up. So this is going to be kind of a birthday party for me. So I'd love to have you. On our show today, we have an excellent guest for you. She is also a podcaster and an abuse advocate, and her name is Danielle Burnock, and I'm going to read a little bit about her today before she comes on. Danielle Burnock founded 4F Media, which means Faith, Family, Friends, and Freedom, in 2014 to promote inner healing and personal freedom. Through the power of the love that heals, using all forms of media, beginning with her first book. Now, the following quote from her book has gone viral. So here it is Trauma is personal, it does not disappear if it is not validated. When it is ignored or invalidated, the silent screams continue internally, heard only by the one held captive. When someone enters the pain and hears the screams, healing can begin. So that's in her book. Danielle is an international award-winning author, speaker, podcast host, and trauma-informed self-love coach. Who helps men, women, and organizations emerge with clear vision of their value, take ownership of their choices, and chart a path to their purpose. Becoming victorious souls who embrace the change from survive to thrive through the power of the love of God. That sounds nice, doesn't it? She has authored four books, written for numerous online publications, and her stories have been published in two book anthologies. Her mantra is, love yourself from survive to thrive. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) And she's known as that lady on the internet who loves you. A longtime follower of Christ, Danielle lives with her husband in Michigan, near her adult children and grandchildren. Here's my conversation with Danielle Burnock. All right, please welcome to the show, Danielle Burnock. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank
0: you for having me. It's such an honor.
1: Yeah, we were talking about some fun stuff before we went on live, and I found out you lived here in Arizona, and you're in in Michigan, and yeah, before we talk about the deep stuff, I like to have the audience get to know you a little bit better, maybe some fun things about you, your grandkids.
0: Well, the first thing I thought of when you said fun things is my favorite hobby that I would love to be able to do much more than I do, and that is zip lining. I love to go zip lining. Really, gone zip lining maybe fifteen times in three different countries and different states, and they're all different. And they're all the first time was in Mexico, and the highest up we were was in Hawaii. We were up so high we could see the ocean on both sides of the island. It was phenomenal. I love to go zip lining. And another fun thing is my favorite food is cheese. I love cheese. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I like cheese too. And I have six living grandkids and one of them actually doesn't like cheese. I'm like, really? How could you not like cheese and be related to me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you been to France? Because that is the best cheese I've ever had, the Normandy cheese
0: never been if, to Europe.
1: If you are a cheese lover, you have to go to to Normandy region where they, they special raise their cows and the, the camembert and the brie cheese is incredible. So yeah, I definitely encourage you to go there.
0: Oh, and we'll see the pandemic happened and that changed travel for everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have to do the best we can <laughs> during the times when we can't travel.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see Ireland and Scotland. Those are two places I'd like to go.
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. Such history. I don't think I'd be doing zip lining. My husband might do it, but we were in Vegas for my husband's. He was in a pool tournament, a world championship pool tournament in Vegas. And in the old part of Vegas, they had this zip line that that went across, went across the whole town. I think, and
0: that's not really zip lining.
1: That's not my cup of tea. But <laughs> you go and have some fun, and you do that.
0: Oh yeah, up real high and over canyons and a mile long, and the faster the better. And if I can go upside down and do tricks, that's even more fun. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's impressive.
1: Oh wow. Well, we're gonna get into uh, your beautiful quotes that. That really prompted me to invite you onto the show. And what really jumped out to me is that you're the lady on the internet who loves you. Tell us about that. How did you get that?
0: Well, that started a little, a couple months earlier than I thought, because I went back and watched videos to see when did that start? I started doing videos more and more online on my Facebook page because I was trying to get more comfortable with doing videos when you hadn't done them before, it's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? And I had some people encourage me to do a 30-day challenge, and I did that once, and it helped a lot, but then I was doing them more, and it's like, at the beginning of 2020, I started doing them more, and it started just, it came out a couple of times, but like right before the pandemic, it started really coming out more, and I committed to doing a video every day When we were in shelter in place or lockdown or whatever people call it where they're at. I had no idea that that would be 70 days in a row that I would be doing a live video. (laughs) So I did that and my heart just goes out for people about love because love is one of the wounds in my life. Mm. And to know that you are loved, that is the most important need for a human being. God created us with a need for love. He is love. God is love. So we were made in his image. We need love. It's like breathing. It's like the blood in our veins. We need love. And if you don't believe you're loved or you're lovable, it's devastating to your life. And I went through that. And once I learned that I was loved, and as I was hearing, I think it was, we were hearing about the pandemic in China and stuff like that. It hadn't come to America yet. And my heart was breaking for these people. And I wanted to reach out with love. And I just, I wanted to give love. And the more I did it, it was like priming a pump of, you need to know that you're loved. I love you. And then it was like, how can you love me? You don't know who I am. Right. That's weird. Well, it's like, I came across a graphic that someone else had made, which was so cool. And it said, "If I, people can hate you for no reason. They can love you for no reason. Well, yeah. So I shared that a couple of times, but I also, I love because finally I know that God loves me. And I, I have a small little book that I give away at my website called Love's Manifesto. And then I tell a little bit of my story and how it took me 34 years for God to convince me that he loved me. Mm. You know, I knew the words, I'd heard them. I, I agreed with them. And I, wanted to believe them but I I knew better that I really didn't believe it especially when things were going sideways but I wanted to believe them, and I fought for it for years and years and one morning after a long process I knew that I believed it and I wrote it down a note in my phone I put the date on there and everything and came with the revelation that I got that this is love that God loves me Not that I have to earn it, not that I have to work for it, which I was so steeped in that. He just loves me because it's who he is. It's what he's chosen to do. And he chooses to love us. And so I choose to love people and I want them to know that they're loved. And I show up all the time. I say that now. So, and it just, it like I said, it leaked out of my mouth that one day. So I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit leading me in that direction or not. But I'm like, ah, I like that. And it was like, it started with who says she loves you. And I was like, no, I don't just say it. I mean it. I mean it. I'm that lady on the internet who loves you. I don't know if you have anyone else in your life who loves you, but I do because I choose to, and you need to know it because you are a precious creation of God.
1: Amen. And it says in scriptures that they will know we are Christians by our, by our love. Mm-hmm. And love's an action verb. It's not this fuzzy-wuzzy feeling. It's an action (laughs) verb. When you're doing things for your audience and people you come in contact with that that show love. So Mm -hmm. that is really awesome and amazing.
0: Yeah, that's my core message is for people to know that they are loved because love heals. Love is Mm -hmm. what heals the trauma in us too. I mean, it's not magical or anything like that, but it is the force of love at work in us that brings that healing about.
1: So tell us your your favorite quotes that you've had on your social media that are just amazing. You shared that the, the trauma quote has been translated into other languages and has been all over the place. Tell us about your quotes.
0: Well, that one that you mentioned, trauma is personal. It does not disappear if it is invalidated, if it is ignored. And that quote is what really spurred me to become more involved because I saw it resonated because I felt very alone in my trauma. I had dismissed my trauma because it wasn't as bad as all these other ones I looked at. <laughs> so I needed to just get over it because it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. You're being too emotional. You're being too sensitive. Just suck it up and get over it. You know, and I was raised with that with emotional neglect. And and so I didn't validate that. And it was through the process of writing my book and being in counseling to do that, that those words came out of me. And as I wrote them, I was like, wow, it was so deep for me. But then when I saw it resonated with others, I was like, wow, really hit something here. I need, I need to keep going here because people need this. They need to know that trauma is personal. It's not the event. Trauma is what it's a wound. It's a reaction. Mm, It's the damage that's left behind from a situation an experience something that someone has gone through that they have not been able to process. And the more I get into it, the more intense I get with the defense of that, because people, it's almost like they will defend their right to not call it trauma. No, it was just this, or it was just that. It's like, Mm, does it affect you now? (laughs) If it affects you now, then it's trauma. It left behind a wound. And another big thing about trauma that people need to really own is being traumatized is involuntary. Right. Someone doesn't go, and see the shame that gets attached to trauma says you did it at your fault. And it's, you know, all that. It's like, no, it's involuntary. Two people can go through the exact same situation. And one of them be horrifically traumatized and the other one just walk away with nothing like it happens in car accidents too two people in the same car accident that one died and this one mm-hmm. walks away without a scratch what's right. up with that yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll have to say the same thing like i have i have uh four siblings and we we all lived in the same house and as adults we talk about what happened in our childhood and we didn't come from an abusive home, but my parents divorced when I was 14. And each of us had a different story as what happened in that house. It is mind boggling. Everybody had different reaction to the divorce and the parents remarrying and all that. So yeah, that's definitely true.
0: Yeah. And divorce is one of the aces. Are you familiar with the term aces? No. Adverse childhood experiences is what it stands for. There's a whole, they did a whole study about it and it's, it says ACE is too high is what they call it. There's a test you can take and it deals with things that people tend to not call, call trauma, like divorce. When a child is a child of divorce, there is, there's going to be a side effect of, it just depends on how much. And if they got help at the time, if they got help at the time, they might be able to come out of it without Mm -hmm. any trauma. But many times a child of divorce is, what's the word, not neglected from, but is not allowed to deal with their trauma because they're supposed to be happy for the parents. And I'm <laughs> like, when I read that, because my parents weren't divorced, My I lost my dad. So we had a different situation. But I'm like, that's just wrong. I'm supposed, you know, the kid is like eight or 10. You're supposed to be happy that your parents, no, (laughs) no, they have to, there's two different situations, two different relationships. And that's what people miss a lot of times, like even in death, when, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say in a family, the dad dies, like in my situation, my mom and I, we had a horrible time because of her trauma and lots of reasons I won't get into there because we got off the, the subject here. But it wasn't until later when we were working on reconnecting and rebuilding our relationship that the light went on to what seemed like would be obvious, but it wasn't, is I went through you know, multiple deaths growing up. My grandmother, two months later, my dad, four years later, my brother, and a friend in high school also. Oh. And connecting with my mom, You know, I lost my grandma, I lost my dad, I lost my brother but she lost her mother, she lost her husband, she lost her son. Those are completely different relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The loss was not the same. It was the same, same people, but the loss was completely different. And people don't tend to think about that unless someone has helped them to recognize that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So another, you had asked about the quotes and I kind of got off from that. Another one of my favorite quotes I have on two, one about needs and one about change is having needs is not a sign of weakness. It's human. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that because I was ashamed of having needs, which I have learned later is a side effect of childhood emotional neglect. Mm. Another one of my favorite quotes is, I've gotten to where I am today by refusing to stay where I was. Change is something I have done over and over again. I love that. Because I, I call change a mode of transportation. You know, I didn't know how to get healed. I didn't know how, I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I just, I didn't want to stay where I was. And that's, people need to have that. If they want to heal, they need to want the change. Because change is involved.
1: <clears throat> We're definitely going get, to get more into that later in the conversation here. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, a little bit more about your story. You you experienced some childhood neglect, and would you share with us a little bit more about your story, whatever you're comfortable with?
0: Sure. I grew up in a very authoritarian home. We went to church when I was young. Uh, There was a thing that happened in the church, and so my parents stopped going to church, but I wanted to keep going. I ended up taking the bus. And one of my traumas, actually my core trauma, happened at the church. Mm-hmm. And I have no sexual trauma in my life at all. All my trauma is emotional. And yeah. see, that was one of the things I wrestled with too. Well, see, you didn't have sexual trauma, so it's not really trauma.
1: You, well, know, he you didn't beat the, you.
0: <laughs> you know, you weren't beaten within, you know, and almost in the hospital. So, you know, when you were beaten, that wasn't bad enough. It's yeah. like, no. No, you don't measure by what is worse. You measure by what you were created for, what God created us for. We weren't created to be abused and to mm-hmm. be neglected. And like I said, I had those deaths that took place. I had bullying in school. I had um, abuse at home or abuse and neglect at home, at school, at church, and in the neighborhood. So I had it all over the place. And I don't know if you'd listened to my premier episode of my podcast, I had the trauma about my name and Mm -hmm. changing my name. And that was connected to the neglect, which was so hard to own. And I find that is true with many, many people. I created a mathematical equation in my first book to help me own the truth that I suffered emotional neglect. We didn't, my counselor at the time did not know that term, but she identified it through talking with me. Cause I felt like I did not belong in my family. I felt like they didn't love me. I felt I always wrestled with maybe I was adopted. What's wrong with me? And I just felt like I didn't belong. And she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. And I was just nonchalantly saying that talking about something else. She'd like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm like, why? What? Cause it was, That was normal to me. And that is the thing with the neglect. People don't know what's missing. Abuse is something that happened. Mm -hmm. So you know that something happened. Childhood emotional neglect is something that didn't happen, that was supposed to happen, but you don't know it's missing because it wasn't there. It's like, I didn't know there was supposed to be a vacuum there. (laughs) And she I asked me. You know why i felt that way and i said i don't know she said something went terribly wrong and we talked about it and i learned a great deal about childhood emotional neglect by a woman named dr janice webb she's got a great book (laughs) i advertise her book all the time (laughs) you think that i get paid for it i do not but it has made a profound difference in my life and it's her book called running on empty she goes through 12 different types of parents and how a child can be emotionally neglected. And my parents fell into three of the categories. The primary one, which most people fall into, is uh, well-meaning parents who were emotionally neglected themselves. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to give what we need. And her definition of emotional neglect is you did not get enough of what you needed. And no parent is perfect. She's so good in the book about, it's not about being a perfect parent. Every parent makes mistakes. It's not about that. But every child has a need. Mm -hmm. And they have emotional needs. And if that need is not met enough, they will grow up with all these varying side effects to emotional neglect. And it's hard for adults to own that they were neglected by a well-meaning neglected parent because they feel like they're throwing their parent under the bus. Yeah. That's where I got this mathematical equation because my parents did not mean me any harm. There was no malice. My parents didn't, they, I know they did not mean to harm me in any way. I did not feel loved, but I didn't feel like it was intentional. I felt it was my fault, which is what children do. <laughs> so when I was writing my book, it's like I got this revelation of the mathematical equation of no malice does not equal no harm.
1: That's awesome. I like that.
0: And if you think about it, to put it in a different picture, because some people still balk at it, let's say we're out playing baseball and I throw the ball to you and I accidentally hit you on the head. That's a hard ball. You got a big lump. We got to take you <laughs> to the hospital. I didn't mean to. Did you still get hurt? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I like using that scenario because people can understand that you can be accidentally harmed by your parents. They did not mean mm-hmm. to harm you. And if you have parents who you will have a relationship with later in life, you can work your way through that and you can help them grow and you can grow and do it together. My, my mom and I were on that pathway before she passed. She died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And then my my brother died when I was not quite eighteen, and uh, I was told that he was murdered, but he wasn't. So that was something that added to the pile also. And through numerous all these different traumas, I was publicly humiliated in front of my school, publicly humiliated in front of the church. I just was so shame based and so fear-based that I just couldn't deal with life. <laughs> I yeah. I had all the unhealthy coping mechanisms, you you know, a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I was that's, a mess until God interviewed.
1: <laughs> that's a lot for a child to go through, all of those things. I mean, my parents, like you say, weren't perfect, but they weren't, they weren't neglectful that my mom was, my mom was never like real huggy kissy talk about our feelings kind of a person but my dad was he kind of kind of balanced it out that's cool you know he told us he loved loved us and he hugged and kissed us and um so I had that balance and I had other people in my life that you know put some positive things in in my life um that's tough to go through all those things all those traumatic things that you experienced and how do you come out normal I mean
0: I didn't not. <laughs> I didn't come out normal and we didn't have any help we had no support system after my grandmother and my dad died and they weren't going to church and you know the church was not there for us no one was there the neighbors were there with food which is great you know and they were there like they knew how but Back then, they didn't know what emotional intelligence was. They didn't know how to deal with things like that. And so we were pretty much on our own, bending for ourselves, all of us, a big bag of mess in the same household together.
1: Now, what was going on with God on a personal level
0: through all this? Well, with me, like I said, we went to church when I was young and I loved going to church. And there was a particular, I love the song, How Great Thou Art. They had a big poster board and they would change the things of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was was kind of afraid of God, but still I had a love for God somehow. I didn't know a whole lot. And um, I think it was just lack of depth and knowing how to talk about things as my parents were emotionally neglected. And, you know, they did the best they could. I went to this church and Mm -hmm. this church, they got rid of the pastor that was there and they got some new pastor. I found out things later that I didn't know then as a child, but uh, I learned that the pastor that had been there when my parents were going, he was bringing the message of the Holy Spirit to the church, which is why they got rid of him. (laughs) And that's when my parents (laughs) stopped going to church, but I still, you know, I had that need because I wasn't getting the love I needed at home and I was you know I was trying to piece it together I guess I'm you know doing that and so I I went to church and there was this one Sunday I don't know why but I was in the big person church (laughs) there's a lot of my childhood I don't remember and that's very normal with trauma because of the disassociation for the protection of the child right just like John Jarman had that issue (laughs) And I was in the Sunday church, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, like 10 or something like that. And, you know, at that age, you're like, the church is like this ginormous, huge thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like this little bitty thing. And the pastor was doing an altar call, which I, now I know that's what it called. I didn't know what that was then, but he said, if you think there's something wrong between you and God, And I'm sitting there, and my heart is pounding, and I'm feeling like this magnet thing, like I should go up there, and nobody's going up there, and I'm here by myself, and there's all these adults, and I'm not going up there, and I'm just afraid. Mm -hmm. And it felt like they played the song, like, forever, and I felt like they were going to play it until I walked up there. (laughs) (laughs) Pug, 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 pug. (laughs) So I finally did walk up there, and the pastor says to me, thank you, and I was puzzled because I was coming up to get something from him. And I felt like, it hit me like, I I saved you? Like, why are you thanking me? (laughs) You're just supposed to give me something. I I have some need, right? And he sent me off with some lady who I didn't know who took me in a room and said, so what's the problem? And I'm like, I have no idea. And I don't remember anything after that, but I went through classes to become a member and I got baptized. You know, made my confession of faith, I still remember the gist of what the pastor said over me at my baptism, because I've never forgotten the baptism. But, you know, then came the trauma with the church after that, you know, and then came the day when I'm going to become a member, when they're going to accept me, when they're going to love me, and I get to be a part of this church, and I get to belong, right? And they have us all in the front row, and they're bringing all the children up one in front of the whole big church. I was there, my parents were not I was sitting on the front row with all the other kids and they're calling our names up one by one to bring us all up in front and display us in front of the church, how, how we are, you know, we're members, we're part of you. We're members of the Yay. body of Christ. Yay! So they went through everybody and left me sitting on the front row by myself, refused to make a member of me. I was rejected from the membership sitting on the front row of the church on display for all to see, and I was utterly devastated.
1: What?
0: And it's uh, terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. And I didn't learn until later. I mean, I knew it messed messed me up, but it wasn't until later, when the Lord was taking me through healing, that He showed me exactly what took place inside my soul that day, the damage that the devil did to my soul that touched every area mm. of my life.
1: I think we're going to do a part two with Danielle. She's got a lot of, she's got a lot of gold nuggets. She has a lot of wisdom and knowledge and experience. And I don't want to rush anything. We had a long conversation. So next week, we're going to hear more about what it was like for her to choose her own name. And the story behind that, we're going to talk more about What does it take to heal from trauma and abuse? We talk about that a lot on the show. We're going to talk about how the brain is wired and what does it mean to love yourself. (laughs) And we're also going to learn all about how she wrote her book and the process that she went through to write her first book. And now she is an accomplished author. So come back with us next week for part two. So until then, I'm going to give you a little heart for the love. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.